Hello and welcome to Lady Time, a podcast about midlife. And today your host is Carol Fitzpatrick and I'm interviewing Mary Kennedy. Mary Kennedy is a woman from the west of Ireland. She's um, originally but living in Dublin and she's a women's leadership coach, a Celtic wisdom holder, entrepreneur, integral uh, facilitator, mindfulness, yoga, and an embodiment teacher. Mari's sole work is activating the wisdom and power that she believes resides in every woman. This work is a synthesis of ancient and contemporary wisdom, weaving strands of ancestral wisdom with neuroscience, developmental psychology, and integral theory. This is the next stage wisdom. She's dedicated the last 15 years to this path, devoted to her own development, studying many wisdom traditions, coaching and mentoring women all over the world, and creating a business that is founded on new female leadership. Over those years, she has walked the heroine's journey from exhausted, disconnected woman living the dream to living fully alive in the messiness and magnificence of being a woman in the 21st century. In 2018, she founded theCelticWheel.com, a global online program bringing together women with her body of work based on the Celtic calendar. Mary Kennedy, you're very welcome and thank you for joining me this morning. Thanks, Carol. So lovely to be here. Lovely to be here. Um, Mary, we might start with just asking you a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, uh, you covered a bit there. So uh, yeah, I'm from Ireland through and through. I'm here actually at the moment in lockdown with my mum, which is very precious um, time. And yeah, I'm, it's interesting being back here because you're kind of, I see in the work I do so many times, we spiral back to places we need to be, you know, and uh, know them for the, as if for the first time, as that WH Lawrence would say. So that's a really interesting thing. Yeah, I'm in terms of, I suppose, orienting the listeners. <laughs> I'm 54. Um, yeah, I'm 50. Yeah, just 54. I'm just trying to figure out where we are in time. Uh, yeah, 54. So I'm I'm well. I'm well. I, will I say I'm well into midlife? Um, I uh, I'd say I'm just in midlife. Actually, uh, that's what that's the way. But I think everything is changing in terms of you know our stages now. So much has changed in the last 30 years about midlife. Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah, we've our idea. Where are we now? We've no idea what is 50, the new 70 is. Uh, oh, no, 70, the new 50. So 50 must be the new 30. <laughs> so, um, and that feels great, but it's also a bit disorienting because I think we had a map before and now it's like, well, where are we in all of this? Um, I'm, I'm in a phase of just really... I, I work a lot with the Celtic wheel in my own life. Like I, I don't just teach it, but I live the Celtic wheel and have done for the last nine years. I'm on my ninth cycle. I, I learned the wheel from a, a wonderful teacher called Dolores Whelan, um, who still, who I'm very grateful is still, we, we sometimes teach together now, which is even better. So yeah, I'm, and right now we're at Imbolc. So I suppose it's right now, as we are talking, um, on Monday, we're going to have the celebrate the great bridges and involve. So, yeah, today, the first of February. Um, can you tell me? Because some of our listeners won't know too much about it, and some of them will. Um, what that feast day, that celebratory day, is about? 
Yeah, well, um, it's one of eight festivals in the Celtic tradition. So our, our ancient uh, ancestors on this land and, and on many other um, Celtic lands across Europe uh, would have followed the Celtic wheel. Um, and it's, it's a wheel of eight festivals. Each, usually it's separated about six to seven weeks apart, each festival, but it, it tracks the natural cycle of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, obviously. Um, and so right now we're at the, the threshold of where winter thresholds across into spring. Um, so we started and the Celtic wheel starts in the darkness. It starts in Samhain, which is October the 31st. And then we meet the winter solstice, which is the darkest part of the year. And then now six weeks later, we come to embark which means in the belly. It's also known as St. Bridget's Day. That's what I grew up with. I didn't know it was called in bulk um, back in the day because it, the ancient wasn't so, you know, it was kind of a little bit more lost. So Bridget's Day, and it, it celebrates this great, wonderful uh, goddess of ours who was both goddess and saint, holy woman, druid. She has so many faces, um, but it's, it celebrates her uh, on the 1st of February. And Bridget even in ancient, you know, in a, even more ancient than the Celts, there was a Bridget, great Bridget cult across Europe. And she was always known as bringer of the dawn. She would be associated with that. So, I mean, I could talk for the whole hour about Bridget, um, but really it's fertility returning. It's about the, you know, the renewal, because this is the first festival since Samhain that the, the tribe would, is the first agricultural festival. So they go back into relationship with the land, with the earth, uh, in terms of product, you know, they start, the agricultural year starts here. So we have this beautiful moment of, you know, fresh new beginnings, what, what is possible of everything that's possible um, in our lives that we start to choose. Uh, what, what are we gonna really put our attention on? Like, where are we gonna put our energy and attention what are we attending to? So this is the time that I would make intentions, not the 31st of December or 1st of January. This is much because we've been dreaming since January, since then, just letting ourselves be in the dreaming and let all the possibilities come in. And now we, we begin to gather our energy and focus. What is like, what's really... Yeah, so the, you know, this emergence, uh, that's what this is all about. Emergence and getting more clear about, actually, what do you want? What? It's not even what you want, because that's more the strategic mind. We've spent so much time in dream time listening and receiving from the depths that it's like, what really wants to emerge through you? And I think like at this time on the planet, there is a new dawn if we're willing to really listen. Um, and it's hard to listen where there's so much fear and so much worry around but that's that's what living in with this wisdom of cycles really encourages is even when there's collapse it's part of a cycle even when the dark goddess comes and shakes us the kalyak the hag she shakes us and says you cannot live like this anymore you must change you must let things go you must shed um, and that's very frightening for a lot of us. And that's what's happening, I believe, in the world right now. And then the new dawn is underneath, like the seeds in the earth. They're barely perceivable, you know. We just have the plurine schnachtas now just coming up, the little snowdrops coming up, or the crocuses. 
and they're just like, oh my God, there is new life underneath. And they often come up through these dark, dead leaves, you know, or through the snow, which is the last cry of the Kalyak. Um, and it's like, oh my God, there, there was something happening all the time when we thought we were in the depths of winter. And so if we want, like Mother Nature and the great, beautiful Mother Earth can teach us so much if we're willing to just attune to her and listen, uh, which is all fine and well, I know when we're all, um, when we're, when, so this is our, our, I think our invitation now is, can we just, just move, really meet the fear, obviously, that we're all feeling and the uncertainty, but that's what our ancestors can teach us because they had no certainty. They didn't have the science we have. They had no certainty about whether the sun was ever going to rise again or get strong. And, you know, so they learned to trust through the cycle of nature. That's true. And that makes so much sense. So that's something you've really uh, learned, learned, um, researched and studied and lived. And it makes a lot of sense because I know through my own work, I'm a therapist and uh, I also teach meditation that that cycles is so important to get us in tune with nature and in tune with ourselves to, to notice. And sometimes that spiral where we're in the cycle and we're like, oh, I've been here before, but no, I'm a bit deeper this time and I can see things. <laughs> I can yeah. notice things, hopefully. If I had like a euro for every time I said to myself, I thought I dealt with this one before. Why am I back here? Or mm -hmm. Else who's you know in a chair opposite me say it, I, I wouldn't need to work anymore. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a you know, cycles. What I've really learned, and have I learned how have I learned it? The I think I've learned it, been dragged through it, kicking and screaming. Um, but I've learned that it's a, just such a gentler way to live in the world mm. because not, you know, when we live from the linear only which is you know what our world since the enlightenment period has very much been scientific and rational and linear um and it has brought great gifts gifts of progress and amazing science um but what we did was we threw the baby out with the bathwater and we dropped all the great other ways of knowing which are deeply intuitive and connect us into cycles and nature um, and when we, I think our time, my, my sense is the time now on the planet is about us, you know, transcending and including, as, as the great Ken Wilbur would say. But it's like, can I bring the synthesis of both what science can tell us, that way of knowing, the, the linear, the rational, and the other way of knowing, which is much more intuitive, mystical, um, and that brings us into cycles. So then my, my teacher calls it circulinear way of oh. beautiful like an outfit we don't we think like the mind is still good but it's in service to the heart and soul um it's and the linear is in service which has always been the way in the ancient tradition the masculine which is linear is in service to the feminine to the circular um and and then we have this beautiful healthy way of we bring the masculine and healthy masculine and feminine together you know Okay, I like that. The masculine is in service to the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the feminine and <laughs> the linear to the circular. That makes a lot of sense to me, Mari. Thank you. Um, and uh, I love the the plurinishnot they're coming through, the little uh, 
bits of colour as well. The crocuses and the daffodils will be up soon. It makes more sense what you're saying about, um, especially today, you know, Christmas time, New Year's, it's such a blur uh, with eating and drinking and lots of lots going on to then come out with your intentions it's like what I can't even think straight um to to wait and let that be dream time and then let it emerge your 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 intentions for the year um I suppose the feminine is a much more organic nature to the strategic linear isn't it yeah it is and I think it's important to say like feminine and masculine are two dynamic forces in the world that you know, are in both in all genders. You know, they're yes. not. We often associate the masculine is men and feminine is female, but you know that's obviously too binary. And like you look at the Taoist tradition, they work so much with that. So does the Celtic tradition, and I love how Taoism and Celtic really. I I work both with them both, and I I find them really useful. I mean, so does Zen and, but as but particularly, um, you know you have the yin and the yang in the in the Taoist and you have um, like the Celts were great honor. They honored polarity. So half of the year is feminine, half of the year is masculine, the dark half of the year is feminine. Um, and the bright half is is, is masculine. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's a really important, I think, distinction because people get very confused by it. And sometimes people also think, oh, that's a bit simplified. But I really trust those ancient ancient ways of knowing. And there, it's not that you do it exclusively. I'm, I'm always wondering, can, is it too binary? But actually, those those forces that are always at play because we live in a world that is um, dualistic. So we live in opposites. You know, you cannot... Great Brené Brown says, like, if you numb out your negative uh, emotions, you cannot inhabit the joy, you know. So it's always they're always at play. Um, yes. So, so yeah, but the, the feminine is more organic. The feminine and it and it's you know it has been lost again with our, it, you know, it was very much there in the ancient times. Um, and very much because because people were so connected to nature and nature is very feminine, you know, um, the, the earth is feminine. Um, and they, you know, their whole lives were oriented around nature. So they were very in touch with the feminine. We had a lot of matriarchal cultures back then as well. And then the patriarchy came in. And again, people make, say, oh, that's women and men. It's actually not. I mean, men have been a victim of patriarchy as much as women in, in, I mean, I, oh. I believe, yeah, yeah, you know. I agree. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And this, this, uh, idealism held up that everyone should follow and they're just a victim as, uh, women are to that system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's another day's <laughs> work. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, in terms then of the Celtic wheel and say perimenopause and menopause, which celebratory um, time would align with that, with perimenopause, say? Well, I've been really looking at this <clears throat> because I'm at, you know, I've just come through perimenopause um, and I'm in that stage of, you know, per my periods just stopped in the summer. Um, so I'm in that like no cycle which is kind of a disorienting phase I'm finding in myself. But in terms of the Celtic wheel, you're looking at, um, I'm, I, I feel like it's just a 
kind of lunasa is the is perimenopause uh you know coming into the uh autumn equinox because it's a time right. where yes that feels right it just feels like you come out of the summer and you're yeah heading into yeah. autumn yeah in the Taoist tradition they have a, a, a fifth they have four they work with four um uh, seasons and our fifth season which is high summer and it feels like that it's when it's that very you know not high summer it's it like the um let's go Indian summer kind of thing oh that's yes I feel like that's where we are but I think with perimenopause it's really important <clears throat> another piece of wisdom from the Celtic tradition I feel like perimenopause is is a, is a liminal time you know it is a stage, but it's a trans. It, it's a stage where in the Celtic, in Irish, it would be idiroch, you know, in between the in between. We're, we're kind of like we haven't stepped into the no cycles. Everything is changing. It's a bit like starting to change, certainly towards the end of perimenopause. And I think perimenopause, there's, we should have the early perimenopause and late perimenopause. I think those are stages because. Um, yeah, I feel that it's really, it, those are, it, so I think, again, like everything else, we're looking at this and looking at, well, what's the map that we have for this time on the in our evolution as humans and as women? What's the map? So I would say, like, Lunasa is, is the time of the harvest. It's like you're gathering, you've gathered everything. It's like when you, your kids are at a stage where, you know, they're out of, they, they're not relying on you to the same degree now again this all changes because we've young older mothers than we had before um and so it's it never fits like all these maps are just to hold loosely to give us some orientate orientation around this time but that's what i would like lunacy to the the autumn equinox and then the you see we're moving back into the great feminine time of the year and we're we're starting to move towards shedding. If you think in, in autumn, the leaves shed, that's the great feminine capacity is to shed, to let go. And at, at certainly the end, the, the latter stages of perimenopause and into menopause, we're really letting go. We're in a deep time of grief, you know? Um, of, well, I mean, it's both grief and, and joy. I mean, this was my experience, um, or is my experience, is that it's a time of, where our power is shifting from an old way of being in, of, of being powered, but we're really coming into our power in the end of perimenopause into menopause. Um, but a lot of, yeah, a lot of grief, I think too, you know. Where we're coming into our power and we have grief of what we're letting go of that summer of our life that. I mean, well, I think it's so different for every woman. I think that's part of this. I, I think looking at this, from a new way that isn't coming out of that patriarchal system, which values perfection and control and productivity um, and moving more into a, a system where we are honoring these rites of passage. The power, it's like we have great power at different stages. Like we have the, in the Celtic tradition, we have the three archetypal faces of the goddess. You have the maiden mother crone, and they, you know, those are three very broad faces. But I think within those, um, I think we, we have, I think there are much more archetypes than just three because we fit this in between the liminal 
where we don't know who we are and we're trying to figure it out. And for certainly the end of Perry for me was that. It's like, oh my God, things are really changing here. Um, and I remember the moment, actually, this was the moment I realized I was in that. I was 47 and I took a, ch a friend's baby in my arms and I literally looked at the baby and thought, I don't want one of these. I had wanted one of those since I was about five. I was always the mother in the games when I was a child. And that was the first time. And I thought, oh my God, my hormones have changed. And, you know, I, I just think that's really important moment to note. I was completely shocked that I, I felt something in me. Like, I felt like I was, you know, it's like how you would imagine being in a tribe and just you suddenly know I'm not here to bring up children I'm here to support that I'm here to be in the bigger in towards the more elder who's holding a bigger piece for the tribe there was something really primal in me in that moment and I'll never forget well, it that is really powerful because I think um it's it's hard for women to get to that point and it's very liberating for women to get to that point where not all women have to be mothers, yet you can still be a mothering role. Like you say, you can support, um, you can support mothers or support children um, in different ways from the community or the family or the tribe or the, yeah, the, the larger community. So I think it's a really important role and that must have been very um, empowering to come to that place after. It, I think it was the first fee felt sense of that power because I had spent, you know, I had, I had not been able to have kids. So I had gone through that heartbreak and that hope and heartbreak and you know, all those times through that, you know, 40s when you're, you know, that there'll be, there'll be grief either way. If I have babies, I'll have to let go of this amazing kind of free life. And if I don't have babies, I, I, that'll be a wound for me. Um, so it was very liberating, but it was that first sense of, oh, my God, this is a powerful time. You know, we, I am free of hormones is in itself really powerful mm -hmm. because I could I could not believe how those hormones had run me. They really run me, you know, in that in that time. Um, and I started getting really curious about the effects of hormones on our on our mind and on our bodies and on, on our, our literally how we view life with hormones when you really come into relationship with them um that's amazing yeah i think i think that's a really important piece um mari what you were just talking about because um quite a few of our listeners don't have kids and are in perimenopause or menopause all time and i know jill and uh, petal who were interviewed before but spoke about the grief of not becoming a grandmother of realizing that but i think Speaking about the empowering impact of realizing, no, that's not my role this time. I'm going to be mothering from a different perspective, from a different uh, place, a different role. Um, I think it's really important because, yeah, you give up your, your freedom for a long time and there's grief in that too. I see that. I saw it, you know, when you're so desperate to have kids, you, you're not looking at that. You're just looking at the perfection. You're not seeing the messiness. But I have a sister who practically uh, allowed me to be the mother of her three children anyway. I was very lucky. But I saw in that, oh, my God, it's so, you know, it's so, uh, it's such a beautiful, but it's such a hard, messy road, too. And it's, 
you do have to lose lose yourself in these kids for a time. It's and that's the sacrifice of the feminine always. Is she offers that as a, a way of you know bringing new life into the world. Um, so it's a beautiful, amazing time. But I I think you know I remember trying to get pregnant back in the when I was in my thirties and. It was interesting because actually this, again, maybe re relates to cycles. You know, I couldn't and I tried for five years and but it was always this moving towards a perfection like, oh, if I have kids, I'll have the perfect kids and perfect house and perfect garden and perfect kitchen and everything will be great, you know, and I'll have arrived. Um, and then I couldn't get pregnant and it was a really shocking. Then I went to get an um, IVF consultation and I'll never forget it. I was 36 um, and I'm not against IVF, but for me, this was my, I think one of my first um, knocks on the, on the door kind of going, you, you can't live like this. But I went in and I'll never forget it. They were like, you should have been here two years ago and you need to start this on Monday. And these are all the list of things you're going to need to put into your body in, in the next couple of weeks. And I went home and I cried my eyes out and I just, I just knew deep inside, I can't do that to myself. I was already really stressed um, and in a very, like I was about to hit burnout, I didn't know at the time, but I'm so glad I made that decision. And instead I went with a group of doctors down in Galway actually, called Napro Technology. Um, and they actually slowed the whole process down and said, okay, you have to map out your cycle. And it, they said, it might be a year and a half, Whereas the other way was like, okay, silver bullet, let's get it done, you know. And it it's it was really, I was scared because I thought maybe I won't have time. I was thirty six at the time, um, and you're thinking, ah, oh, there isn't enough time. But I slowed it down, and I did that, and it was very it's based on the Billings method. So you got to chart your whole cycle, and suddenly I saw I was double ovulating because I was so stressed. I was double ovulating, I was ovulating, the body was trying to ovulate on day 13, 14, it would have a phantom ovulation, then it'd be ovulating, sometimes 20, day 20, sometimes 29, sometimes, and I had a very regular cycle. So what we saw was, I was lower in progesterone. That's all that was going on. And all I had to get was progesterone injection. And then, you know, it was, I was all set to go, I had the green light, and sadly my marriage split up. So I wasn't meant, it wasn't meant to happen. But in that exercise of doing, of actually slowing down and tracking my cycle, I re-inhabited my body in a way that, you know, had I gone the other way, I, I'm, I'm, I wonder what I have. I would have been afraid of what would have happened. So it just brought me back into connection with cycles. Yes, you could have gone into doing the whole IVF pressure, 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 and burn out and break up all at the same time and I couldn't yeah uh, IVF can be quite hard on people um, from what I know from people I've spoken to women I've spoken to can be and men actually yeah the whole process I think that's what it was like it's like there was no structure around it I think it's different now there was no like now they have counsellors and there are, you know, they've brought in the acupuncture and stuff so it's much more looking after the whole person um, but back then it was just like, you know, silver bullet. Let's let's get it. You want a baby? OK, let's do it. Uh, 
They're chastising you for coming at 36. I mean, seriously. <laughs> because my doctor had said at 32, okay, after, after, you know, you need to be trying for at least 18 months before you worry. So all these mixed messages. Yeah. So, and I, this is why I feel like with the menopause, preparing, like it has been very medicalized, you know, but that's mm. how those things have been. And so now our time is to bring that wonderful, wonderful uh, wisdom and knowledge that's there from the medical world and married with the ancient wisdom and you know and then when you bring those two opposites together you come with a third thing which is really much more uh whole you know it's a more wholesome um and and always when you bring two opposites something new emerges out of opposites when you bring them so to have that ancient and the new come together you're gonna have a much more uh, I think you th- we thrive in that, you know, because we're modern women. Mm-hmm. So it's important, but science alone is very reductionist and reduces us to figures and and um, and statistics. Whereas the ancient is really all those those parts of us that are just like our soul and our, you know, the heart and us as women feeling living being, you know. Um, absolutely. There's so much in that. It's so nice to hear you speaking about all of this. And thank you for sharing about your personal story there. Um, and yes, we're no, there is no one size fits all. And we all have to find our own map, don't we? Whether it's our body rhythms and our what's going on with our cycle. And then with our greater, bigger life and life purpose as well, isn't it? And it's all connected. You know, it's like this is also the at this time on the planet where we're the the patriarchy fragmented everything it had us all fragmented you know and now it's like can we bring it back into wholeness so we're not living from perfection the ethic of perfection we're living more from the ethic of wholeness you know I think the pandemic has brought that um, along a little bit more I, I see people on LinkedIn and they've thrown out the the professional photograph and brought in a nice natural you know there's a more authentic self emerging I think in the professional world and it's lovely to see that and there's just a a loosening and an opening up of the boundaries and making it more fluid I think I hope oh I think yeah I, I agree I think you're you know I think people are again some people are going through a lot of a lot of pain in this but I I feel that you know, Meister Ecker says the soul learns by subtraction, not by addition. And, you know, that's, I think we're all being asked and invited into this time of massive disruption to look at deeply in, into our souls and see, you know, are we living, you know, are we living in a way that is human and really has the human at the center human nature i mean i talk about human like human is part of nature like the you know our life our our world is you even think about women and we think about us like how we're living and how we have been living by these this more value on the masculine traits of being like productive and kick-ass and always penetrating the world we're all you know we've all been trying to become more perfect and 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 nail it all and you know lean in and all of that and that's fine but what happens when we only pick up one side of any polarity is it's unsustainable and so 
like what this for me, lockdown and coronavirus is, it's the great feminine rising and saying, you cannot live like this. We need to bring in the old, the other ways of where that are they're nourishing and the feminine needs to come back in and be woven back into the fabric of our society. Um, and so we're all been having to look at facing this. Um, Mari, just to go back before we go forward again, I just love that phrase that you used. Um, the soul learns more from subtraction than addition, because I think we seem to think the opposite in today's world. It seems to be more, 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 do more, and then we're better, or, you know, we're on this hamster wheel. Like even say as a mother, you know, in school and you try to pick up from other mothers what you're supposed to do at first, you know, and you think, okay, they have to go to activities. And so I found myself after two, three years of running from school to activities that I actually had to, consciously stop the activities I had to stop the swimming tennis football Gaelic everything you know because literally I was <laughs> demented going from one thing to the other to the other and and yet it crept back in again and it's not that I don't bring my kids to sport I do but I just had to be very conscious that I wasn't doing too much and actually focusing on one thing is much better than doing 10 things you know or two things rather than 10 things so I think you're right in many areas we could add that uh, subtraction is much better than addition yeah and I mean we never you never hold I never hold anymore that is just the only dynamic there's always then it's the it's the it's the relationship between subtraction and addition always it's you know we're not like going okay we need to all get become very aesthetic and live in sackcloths and that's not what I'm saying but <laughs> everything is always in relationship with its opposite um, but I I really hear feel that like Carol you know you're you're in a busy house and and but what happens, our nervous system is that it just gets really frayed because we're because women also <clears throat> just in an evolutionary sense, we are our, our focus is very um, diffused. We have a really great capacity to, for diffused to focus because in the tribe, we would have been out there like looking after the elders, uh, out uh, gathering um uh, you know, gathering, looking after the children. We'd have had our, we've had to have our eyes on a lot of things and our making the cows, making the cows, the whole lot, making the butter, <laughs> making the dinner. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, then if it's anything that is a strength taken too far becomes a weakness, and that's what we've done because we've, in the context of this perfectionist performance, always performing, always achieving, always penetrating the world. That's what we do. And we're very adaptive too. Women are very adaptive. We just adapt very quickly to what's needed. So when we bring those two, what tends to happen is then we're suddenly like spread so thinly. And I, I definitely see it happens very, very explicitly with women, with children, but it also happens to me and I have no kids. I find, and I, my friends and uh, people who know me know that my biggest, one of my, my biggest daily um yeah I suppose it's my it's my go-to is to become busy I just naturally fill up the space maybe because I was born in a farm maybe I don't know I get whatever it is but I see it in every woman that sits in front of me we have this tendency 
to, I think, you know, we, I think we got a lot of worthiness from our productivity. Like when we produce, when we're achieving, when we are close to perfection, when we've got it nailed, then we get this kind of, we, it's, it's very celebrated, you know, in our culture. So I think, and I also feel that a lot of us don't really feel safe in the world. That's what I hear. I hear the word safe so much uttered from women who sit opposite me. Like we just, but I think again, that's a very collective wound of the woman. It's like, we don't really feel safe because for so many eons, we, were, we weren't safe, you know? Um, and so, and that would have been my own deep, 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 when I really went into the descent of, of really my soul, I found in me this sense that I didn't feel safe in the world. It looked like I did. It looked like I was living the dream. Everything was fabulous. But actually at my core, I didn't feel safe. So what happens if you don't feel safe? You've no roots, really. So if you've no roots, you're just kind of running around. I was running around, so I didn't have to look at that part of me. Okay, so that to me then, because I use energy as one of my paradigms of looking at things. And when the root, when you've no roots and you're not feeling safe, then you're up in your body and you're not connecting. Um, but what happens, because I think you're into neurology as well, aren't you? You're into the, the neuroscience. What happens to your your system then, do you feel, when when you disconnect and you're running around and you're not really grounded or you don't feel safe boundaries? Well, I think I, I think it's a great coping mechanism, but we're constantly in fight or flight. So we've cortisol mm. and adrenaline pumping through our body and that's creating then this feedback loop into the brain and our thoughts become catastrophic and it's just, we stay in this, I'm not safe, something's going to go wrong, I'm not okay, uh, you know, all of those things that keep us from actually inhabiting our bodies deeply, dropping into the earth and going like one of the the, the, the mantras I would use is it's I, it's safe to be in this body and on this planet now. It's safe to be in this body and on this planet because it. I often feel it or sense it when I'm talking to women, and I know it in myself. It's like it's like we are almost in the body but we're not fully, we're just like hovering a little bit off. And so we can't get the root down and then we're not connected to the earth and we're not connected to, when we connect to the earth, like our ancestors, there's a trust that comes. It's like, oh, I can actually, I can be empty. And the feminine, which is when you're in a female shape of a body, mostly we have feminine essence and a stronger feminine essence. And that's you know, can we become more receptive, more empty, we can lean back. And then the natural, we get this natural way of knowing that, or this has been my experience, is that the masculine, masculine is about agency and action and being out in the world and, you know, kick-ass and we're so many brilliant kick-ass women. But if we're not rooted, that kick-ass becomes total exhaustion and burnout. Um, so the more we can root, and really, I mean, even the image of just having a root from our deep in our pelvis down into the center of the earth that actually frees up the spine. And in those moments, that's when we can, we are, we have more oxytocin in our body. That's when we are more connected to something bigger ourselves to each other. We're more generous and we're able to receive the wisdom 
and this, and then we move. More. But again, it's like I can tr I can map this out. And what we'll do as women is go, OK, that's the perfection I want to reach. It's not about that. It's like it's just about constantly coming back being curious and compassionate with ourselves and like, oh, God. And I found self-compassion has been my game changer. That practice of self-compassion has really helped to ruin my system. I agree. I think, and I think that's what we're learning at the moment in the last couple of years. Definitely uh, the first lockdown, that's what I learned because I do give a lot, um, but with, I can't give if I don't give to myself first. So small practices every day has really helped. Um, but what I now am doing is um, I'm running a meditation course and I'm doing it through the energy uh, chakras. So I'm spending ages on the root and I'm just so glad the way you talked about the root there because it is about feeling connected to the earth so that we're not uh, questioning everything. Yes, be curious with a lovely curiosity, but that we feel safe, mm. trust, because the antidote, like trust is the antidote to fear and burnout will happen if we're all the time in flight or flight our, our you know our kidneys will get affected our um our back you're right the spine will be affected our legs all of those things will get affected if we don't learn to tune into the earth and just trust and yeah connected. yeah and that that brings us like because the when we're in flight or flight we're in strive drive we're always you know tired and wired all that kind of like all those phrases that have come in they're really true and what mm -hmm. happens as you say with the kidneys like our kidneys are where we store our chi that's all our juiciness goes and as we get older we just become these dried out hard often bitter you know, women that um that kind of we 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 just got spent too quickly um and I, I love when you, yeah, like, I love that you're doing that work with the, the chakras, which are so connected to our, um, the endocrine system as well, you know, um, and I love that you're spending all the time on the root, because if you don't have the root, and I do think part of perimenopause is that women go into a descent, um, because actually to find our power, which is at the, the, the center of the solar plexus which is the third right the third chakra yes yeah yeah the third one around your tummy yeah that's power yeah unless you have really inhabited your first and second chakra you know because that's what and then you can't open your heart into compassion until you have the third the bottom three chakras you know absolutely yeah you start at the bottom and you build up you come up and it's about self-actualization yeah but i think what the way you were explaining things just fitted perfectly to the way i work as well so it's great to have like you said it sounds very simple but actually simple is best but what when something is simple it doesn't mean it doesn't have huge wisdom behind it because it does have huge wisdom behind it uh, yeah yeah, been researching this uh, experientially on yourself and then through lots of trainings I see on your website and um, you've you've done a lot of work uh, academically as well as in the heart and in the body. So uh, your wisdom is uh, fascinating. Are you writing a book? Have you written a book? <laughs> I, I am writing a book. I'm about to write a book, but I'm waiting to get the I'm waiting to hear when is the right time because I thought 
okay, 2021, I'm going to get on. I had it in my diary. These are the days I'm going to start. And then COVID and disrupted me and was like, no, because my mom um, just got had, had a, a kidney infection after Christmas. And I, I was, that plan was disrupted and I was invited to stay here. So I felt, no, I need to be here with my mom and have this time with her. And, um, and, and I really, that's when the wheel really helps me because even though there was a resistance in me, it was like, no, I got to get on and write this book. And it's that pushing, striver, drive, you know, if I don't write it, someone else will. All those things that come, that drive us. And it's like, no, this is a time for you to stay, to come back to the land that you grew up on. And there's an actually beautiful invitation here that if I let my driver, you know, in the front seat as it has been for so many years, then I'm just going to create the same patterns I've created all my life. What if I just do something different and open to the see how does this actually bring something a new world to me and trust that the book will come when it comes and I will and I that's what I've really learned from the wheel is stop you know just pause and and know that disruption and is is a there's a creative pulse in a disruption that is asking you to move from a different in a different way or maybe down a different road. Um, Mary, I don't think you'll ever regret taking the time with your mum. I I know it's it's something I'm going I'm going to look at as a podcast in future with Jill. Is that elderly piece? But I've seen it with my mum, and I've seen it with other uh, people. It's a very difficult time to listen to say yes. It it's it, the the busyness that distracts us can take us from this time. And I think that, that you will never regret that. I think it's a really powerful thing that you've done to stay down with her for a while. So do I, it's been amazing to like, I've never had this time with her, you know, I left here when I was 17 and there was a gang of us. So, you know, I, I, and I have banned everybody from the house because I've like, they're all, my two brothers are down here um, and, but their kids are working in super value and stuff. So I'm like, out and so we have this beautiful kind of potent time together which is lovely yeah gorgeous actually I felt all emotional talk, saying that about at that time but I think it's really precious and I think uh, well done um I think um your mum would be very grateful as will you as I am yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. Okay, well, listen, the time has gone really quickly. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, where you have a lot, even though you're you're not busy and you are busy, you have a lot of great um, programs or yeah. coaching available. Where can people find out about what what you're doing? Um, on my website is probably the best, uh, marykennedy.com. That's without an E, M-A-R-I. Um, uh, that's probably the best. Or the Celtic Wheel. I open the Celtic Wheel once a year. Um, and that's, you, that is usually in uh, October, September, October. Um, and then we, run, we go for the year. But those are probably the best places, yeah. And that's a group coaching. Is this the Celtic Wheel or uh, is it a training or what, no, what? I mean, it's more of a community. It's like bringing, it's a, you know, bringing women through a ritual year. Um, but the community aspect is really important, you know, working with, uh, it's just, there's so many brilliant women, like, 
their sinks and at their tables and in boardrooms well not these days but you know there are so many that's what I really believe we have this amazing deep banfasa inside these women of, of us like the the banfasa is the woman of knowledge you know it's the um and she's in she's in communities she's in workplaces she's in the middle of homes <clears throat> and it's just to give people a chance to to meet other banfasas to see themselves in others um and to to ritualize the year which connects us to the earth and to the seasons Definitely, we'll be looking out for that one next uh, autumn. That sounds like a great programme to join in. Um, I have really enjoyed our conversation, Mari. I, I don't know you, so you're the first interviewee I've had on that I didn't know. <laughs> uh, but it's been really, I feel like I've gotten to know you through the interview and it's been really, uh, it's, it's been really enlightening for me and supportive. And I hope our listeners uh find the same I'm sure they will so um thank you very much thanks Carol it's been a real pleasure and I, I love what you two are doing it's great I got to kind of in my prep for this I was listening to some great podcasts that you've had and and your own story is amazing too thanks so. very much thank you very much so um, I'll sign off now. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, you've been listening to Lady Time with Mari Kennedy as our guest today. If you've enjoyed the show, uh, please um, tell your friends. And um, until the next time, thank you very much. <laughs>